0: I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate Meathead Hippie. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Emily Schramm. I am here to empower you to empower yourself. And I have loved the theme of September which is the process, the process for business owners, creators, makers, inspiration, um, driven (laughs) inspirationers, people that just want more. And you guys, as Meathead Hippies and as Meathead Hippie listeners, that's what you're here for. I love talking about a lot of things, but specifically the process of understanding your own process, kind of the mental up and down roller coaster we go on, really good days We feel amazing days to, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, I feel so far away from everything. How could I possibly stay motivated? I'm a failure. Back to, I'm starting to get it. And sometimes we stay in one more than the other. But ultimately, whether you're a business owner or a creator or a entrepreneur or just a person, we all have that. And my desire is with... The process through these podcasts, but more importantly, a book that is launching by the next podcast episode uh, that is called The Process by Emily Schramm that you guys can pre-order. This is my way of expressing how human we all are and that we're not so much on an island when we think we're alone. And I just wanted to interview people that I love, that I respect, that I care about. They have demanded through these four episodes. The questions, they also are replying back. So last week was with Heather Kelly, a friend and entrepreneur in Alaska of Heather's Choice. And today, my dear friend, Dr. Anthony Gustin, um, the CEO of not just Perfect Keto, but of Equip, which is my favorite protein by far. Most of you know this because I swear by it. I couldn't do dairy or whey. Um, And I can't like vegan proteins made me tremendously sore. So if you're incredibly sore after a workout, usually it is one overtraining training. Or two, we're just not getting protein in that specific window of time. And so for females, Dr. Stacy Sims talks about this a lot, within 30 minutes and within, or for males, within 45 minutes. Getting a protein shake, it's one of my biggest pieces of my programs, the MFit Challenge, the strength programs that I offer. All of that talks about this in depth and my Facebook group. But I'm obsessed with his protein. And that's how we met. And I just am so excited. And I also uh, just got back from my first retreat. So a little bit of housekeeping. I just want to kind of just share with you guys. I hosted my first retreat called The Process. And ironically, The Process retreat was created and launched and sold out in 12 minutes before the book was even a thing. So it's just so incredible to see all these pieces come together and see people... 50 people right in front of me, supporting me and letting me share some of the book and sharing space with me. It was just amazing. And we went to Estes Park. We started at the gym. I'm sure you guys saw pictures of it in our stories. If you haven't, we, you know, we were just thrilled. Everyone was incredible. Um, And we really are excited because, you know, we were trying to figure out, well, where, where's the next retreat and what are we doing next? And I truly believe that, we are going to do not just a retreat, but we are going to move it and make a three to four day conference in 2020. Because, you know, for example, I feel this is a little, a little bit of word vomit, but it will all make sense in a second is, you know, we have so many incredible people that are a part of these podcasts that are a part of the body awareness project that are a part of my MFIT challenges, uh, my trainers at platform strength. And my goal, even, and I was expressing this this weekend, and I'm really grateful for the questions that inspired this. I didn't start training online. I started years and years of one on ones in personal training. And that takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of work to build a clientele. And if it wasn't for people like Wade and like Neil and people I've podcasted before that helped open those doors for me, not just telling me you should do this, you should start your own business, but also giving me space to train clients when I couldn't afford anything. Those people opened doors for me in ways that I will never forget. And I am so grateful for. And so when I was thinking about the gym before we opened, it was like, how can I, give trainers a platform, not just myself and my T's and my impacts and whatever, but people that want to train, that want to do nutrition, that want to get better at it and don't have a good home for that, because there's really not. It's Globo gym or your own garage gym or a space. And so there's lots of people in that in between and I am very excited for our next podcast. I'm going to interview Gary from the gym and talk about the process of being a coach, a trainer, starting a podcast, et cetera. But I just wanted to say that, like, I also feel very... I I have to... We talk about in podcasts about competition, right? Wolves versus lions. That was with Dr. Lauren Kodike. Understanding there's people that collaborate really well and there's people that kind of see it as a threat. So instead of saying... These people are competitive. These people are accepting of me. These people are not giving me, you know, what I would give them. What I would say is I challenge you to look at where you in your life are able to be more collaborative, are able to be more supportive because we will kill ourselves and make ourselves so stressed, sometimes visceral reactions happen because of the stress that we hold Trying to change people, trying to change the way things are, and so I highly suggest every time you see something that triggers you, or gives you kind of a "ugh, that's icky," take it in, feel it, see how you can move through it, but then in turn reflect it right back to you. What bothered you about that? That you could also do better instead of pointing blame and saying they did this, and now I'm here saying, okay, well, where in my life could I collaborate more? Where could I give more of a platform? So for me that truly felt like collaborating in a way that's bigger than 50 people with three experts that tried to help and did help bringing this all together. So I want (laughs) to save the date for the next retreat, long story, because I truly think it should be bigger and more amazing, a great opportunity for you guys to all meet each other and meet more and more experts because I don't just want one workshop or two workshops or three workshops. I want 15, and there's the people in this cult, in our tribe that can do it. So, um, outside of that, <laughs> sorry, Anthony, I'm taking forever to get to you. Okay, so before Anthony's bio, I the last but not least, just so many great things business wise that are happening Denver Startup Week. I am going to be opening up Denver Startup Week, which is crazy because I I started MPAC because of Denver Startup Week, because I landed from the plane, and I had an idea, and then I went to Denver Startup Week and met the right person, and that's how it all started. And then the year after that, I did a booth for the MPAC, and then the year after that, last year, I did a panel. I hosted a panel about biohacking the entrepreneur, and it was incredible. And then this year, they asked me to speak. It's like so crazy. I'm so excited. And then I'm also going to be in a fashion show for women in kind. Um, I'm going to dress up as amazing women who throughout history change the course of time. I'm incredibly honored to do that. And then the last but not least, I'm doing a Kickstarter panel on Monday afternoon. So all of these are linked on my Instagram at Emily Schramm, S-C-H-R-O-M-M. All three of them. It's all free, but you can get the actual tickets. So that's next week. So I'm so excited. Um And teas are in stock, Element Teas are in stock, HerbalElement.com, and uh, packs are almost here. If you pre-ordered, you can pre-order. And supplements are almost here, and that is just, makes me so happy, because we're about ready to redo and launch with the book, pre-order, EmilyStrom.com. So really happy, lots of things. I'm just, I'm just so grateful. You know, it's like, you have two choices, Emily soak in the gratitude or be a complete shit show. (laughs) So this is the process. Okay. Dr. Anthony Gustin and I, we talked about everything and it's so great. I just, I love him. I just love him so much. He is the CEO and co-founder of Perfect Keto, one of the fastest growing nutrition companies in the world and the founder of Equip, which was voted best supplement company by Paleo Magazine. Dr. Gustin is also a functional medicine practitioner and a board-certified chiropractor who holds a master's of science and doctorate of chiropractic. His mission is to help people achieve optimal health and well-being through movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. To learn more, visit DrAnthonyGustin.com. His book, Keto Answers, comes out in five days. Holy shit. Okay, here's Anthony. Anthony Gustin. We're on the rooftop, and I'm so happy you're in Denver here with Martha in an in-person interview on Meathead Hippie.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: What are you doing in Denver?
1: Oh, boy. Um, well, Martha and I had a little engagement party um, at a Bon Iver, uh Bon Iver show
0: it's in Denver. magical. Yeah. I love it. Happy late birthday, Martha. Yeah.
1: We, um, <laughs> we fell in love the night of a bony bear show.
0: Uh... So.
1: We got engaged, and I gave her some tickets to a show here in Vail. So celebrating, had some work in Boulder, so did a little Colorado tour. Boulder, Vail, now here.
0: And you live in Austin. Austin, yeah. I love it. And you have been on my podcast before, and in multiple MFit Challenge videos, uh, you are the founder of Equip, which also, which started off as PureWad, rebranded to Equip, Mm -hmm. and then soon after launched Perfect Keto. And you were just crushing
1: things are going well. Yeah,
0: things are going well. <laughs> and can I mention this? Yep. So you just wrote a book, Keto Answers, and this is coming out, you said the 16th.
1: Yeah, September 16th.
0: Simplifying everything you need to know about the world's most confusing diet. I get more questions than anything on keto.
1: Yeah, I mean, so obviously we have perfect keto, but we put out tons of content. I have tons of YouTube videos, all this stuff, but the amount of questions I still get on a daily basis this is like sort of me trying to simplify things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been from all the stuff when I was working with people, one-on-one in my clinic all the way through to now we've worked with, you know, millions of people through our brand perfect keto. So we basically just took all the stuff that we got, 268 questions, the most common things that everybody should need to know. Like if you, if you can't find your way through the ketogenic diet um, and how you want to use it with this information, it's like, I think it's just probably not for you at that point.
0: I love this book, and I love that you have the index being the questions that you get all the time. And that's what's the beauty of being your own, you know, creator and your own boss, because you are creating products for people that might be trying keto for the first time. So you get the customer feedback and the questions are right to you. And then it was, you know, after so many questions, you realize there's a need for a solution.
1: Right, I mean, there's a lot of books that are out there just to give you general information, but not purpose in a way of of how people ask the question and answering them, mm-hmm. so so that they can be useful. So, yeah, I mean, you can read the book front to back, but also, like you said, we put an index of all the questions in the back, and so you could flip back and be like, okay, is keto good for for women? You know, can you can you do it when you're breastfeeding? You know, should you count calories? Should you count macros? Like, what what macros? How much protein should I eat? All these questions that I get all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, then you can go to the back, look what you know is best for you, then flip to that specific page and read that, or you can read it front to back because it makes sense that way as well.
0: I love it because I think, uh, I mean, these are this is the way you do it. You and this is what I wanted to talk about with you. It's the process of we were trying to figure out like the process of being your own boss or the process of being an entrepreneur or having products, but I really think it's the process of solving problems. Mm-hmm. That's what you're good at.
1: That's what I love to do, yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about your first problem you solved. Maybe not the very first, but you were a doctor in practice and then decided, I actually don't even know this story. Yes. I would love to hear about how you moved from doctor in practice, <coughs> getting questions all the time, realizing there is something lacking in the market, and I think I can fill that hole.
1: Yeah, so I was. I graduated from grad school, got my doctorate in chiropractic and master's in sports rehab, so... Um, started practice in 2012 and was working with a lot of people and we scaled that from one to five locations in the Bay Area really quickly. And I was just, same thing with the book here that I wrote is I was just getting a lot of the same questions over and over again. Um, and a lot of the same things I would just repeat myself over and over again, mostly about nutrition. Um, I was working uh, mainly at the time with people with sports injuries, things like that. And a lot of people didn't understand that, you know, if you a hamstring for example like those tissues are actually damaged and you need good raw materials with nutrition proper nutrition for that thing to heal appropriately so it doesn't matter if you have low back pain or you know sprained ankle whatever you need the good inputs to have good outputs right and so I started you know most of my visits while I was while I was working on people was just chatting about nutrition and what people needed and I wanted to stop repeating myself, so I started a website. This is like maybe 2014.
0: What was it named?
1: It was named The Paleo Fix. Yeah. I had a friend um, who I went to grad school with, he had The Movement Fix, and so we sort of oh, ch- yeah. were chatting about, hey, you focus on movement stuff, and we'll do these online things, and then I'll focus on nutrition stuff. I just rebranded that um, a couple of years later just to my name, but focused a lot on nutrition. And so... Just as sort of a wait so I would have to answer less questions to be able to give my patients information, I just started writing articles, and that got a lot of attention. And I was like, oh, man, people just find stuff randomly on the Internet. This is really <laughs> interesting. Like, this, this obviously is worth investing into more. So built that, and then after a while, I was working, again, with uh, athletes and tried to swap out a lot of stuff, but one of the biggest problems that I saw was really awful quality supplement products that people were taking. So they were trying to use them for performance, but what they didn't know is that, you know, through the, all the additives and all the junk in the, the supplement products, my thought was that they were actually having a net negative impact on the athlete. And so I, that's when I launched what was called pure, what at the time now equip foods, which is trying to get people supplement products that with whole food ingredients. So beef protein powder, sweet potato, sweet potato powder, et cetera. Um, so at that point I noticed, okay, there's all these different problems that I wanted to solve. One was, um, reducing people's pain of injuries. That's actually a pretty easy problem, in, in my opinion. Um, it's not hard when somebody has an injury to make them feel better and agreed. reduce their pain. Agreed, agreed. Um, it's, it's pretty basic. But the information around nutrition, what people should eat, how it impacts you, um, all the things you put in your body is actually a, a much more confusing realm. Um, so rehabbing from a, you know, an ankle sprain. Y- yeah, I mean, like I think you can do it wrong, but I think that the problem of... Proper nutrition and how people feed themselves is something that I wanted to tackle head on. So, at that point, um, PureWad slash Equip was sort of taking off, and we were trying to provide people solutions for you know real food um, gaps in the in the market of supplements. Um, while trying to educate people. like Say somebody buys beef protein powder, and maybe they're just, you know, a friend likes it or whatever, it tastes really good. Um, but through that we were able to do a lot of education and, and actually teach people about why they should be putting the things in their body in the first place. And so that was sort of the main thing about, you know, what, what I was trying to do with Equip, which was educate people more than just provide them solutions with products. Um, and then I saw how, how large that problem was. You know, we, we were shipping all around the world, um, page views everywhere, I mean, it, the content was go- going crazy, and at that point I saw, okay, if I could scale my clinic even five times what it is right now, there'd be 25 locations, and the amount of people I just did the math that I could help, far lower than if I scaled the other company. And so, in, I think it three years ago now, um, I left my practice and just focused on that full time within a couple months, you know, one of the things that I was working on with athletes and with people in general just to, you know, fix diabetes, weight loss, et cetera, was a ketogenic diet, and at that time, it became feasible to start launching products that help people with the ketogenic diet. So there wasn't a lot of options at that time um, for people that to That
0: weren't exp- MLMs. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was
1: the Prove It was around, which was an MLM, which, you know, you have to buy X amount. But um, ketones in general, um, beta-hydroxybutyrate, was now becoming an ingredient that people could use. And so I wanted to, you know, bring that sort of to the masses. So we were one of the first companies to launch a product like that. Um, and then we went on to develop a lot of, you know, same thing with solving problems. So I just, you know, after that was a case, of seeing people in my clinic of, okay, people try a ketogenic diet, but they fall off for X, Y, and Z reasons. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I'm sort of obsessed with, with solving problems, and that was one of the things of, of just maintenance on a ketogenic diet. So I sort of split that into two bucket, buckets, like the Equip did as well, which is education. So we needed to have more content, so we really doubled down on content. Um, and so we were also one of the first keto blogs that sort of, Put all the information in one spot, and then also products. So if people, you know, especially three years ago when we launched the company, there were not a lot of options for even protein powders and pre-workouts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just kept asking people, you know, okay, you tried this, you tried a ketogenic diet, what are the problems? So we got questions. Obviously, a lot of those are addressed in the book, but um, a lot of that was you know, a lot of our product development, and still to this day, is asking questions of what are you having problems with, and how can we provide value to to offer you a solution.
0: I love it because there's so much I want to unpack. The first one being you have to have less of an ego in order to receive those answers. And there, when so many companies do it right, it's because they're willing to say, I have a problem and I could do it better. And mm-hmm. that's what you do really well, right? Like, I don't know if you know this, but it's saying customer feedback. So many people take that as insulting or like that they're not doing a good enough job. There's just too much of that in the world of health and fitness. And I think... Specifically with yeah. something like keto. I
1: mean, we we have not nailed it every single time. I mean, there's been times where I thought that I could solve problems for people and just guess what people wanted and those products all flopped. Mm.
0: Isn't <laughs> so, that
1: interesting? Yeah. Um, so I mean that's why like I'm we've learned it a bunch of different times that the the people that we're trying to solve problems for, I mean just go and ask them and get yeah. feedback and for sure. Yeah, I mean, I just want to provide more value to the world. Um, and so I just keep asking the same question, you know, what, what, do you have, what are you struggling with? What are the problems? And finding creative ways to solve that.
0: In ways that, yeah, that's not in the same domain, right? So saying, even just adding questions, and this is something that I just appreciate about you. The kind of typical way of seeing there's a flaw in this market, there's not good products here, or there's something missing. We could just make it look good and package it and put keto on it. Or we could actually test blood sugar. We could see what this does to someone's blood sugar because the problem we're trying to solve with high-fat diets or a higher-fat diet or keto is to get rid of this blood sugar dysregulation. And how can you do it if you don't test? And that's something that I love seeing you do with your posts, kind of comparing products, seeing products that said they were healthy, and then – they would spike someone's blood sugar off the roof. I would just love to know that process. Was that like a non-negotiable, making sure that you saw what it did to blood sugar?
1: Yes, I mean, the how we manage stuff internally at the team is just, you know, our sole focus is providing value to people. And we sort of think that processed food, high sugar, and vegetable oils, like these things combined, are the most toxic things for humans. And if we can replace those things with things that taste just as good but perform way better then we are solving a pretty huge problem and helping people along their journey to figure out what they should be eating. Um, yeah, I mean, for and having that mentality in the first place and not this company is here to make a lot of profit and a lot of money, which a lot of other people, you know, and keto's blowing up over the last three years have gotten to the space and frankly make really shitty products. And they, they just say, okay, we could sell this to keto people and take advantage of where people's attention is instead of thinking, how do we solve a problem for people who want to do a keto drink diet? And I don't think it's the right thing for everybody, but there's clearly a lot of people who are benefiting from it. And so those people who you know are trying to make a change in their life, trying to lose weight, trying to reduce inflammation, trying to have athletic performance increase, they're reaching for you know trying something new. And a lot of times what happens in these sort of fads when they blow up is that a lot of people come in, in this space, launch a bunch of shit because they're trying to make money, and the person tries that and they go, oh, this actually doesn't work, because the products are crap, right? because the information's terrible. And so, I mean, I want people to be as successful as possible. Like ketogenic diet is just one way for people to get into a space and sort of figure out their own journey of health, right? It's
0: such a good launching point. I mean, because it takes away, it's the first, whether it was keto or high fat, you know, my first website when I started in 2012 was bacon and skinny jeans because I was like, I need, (laughs) I never knew I could put these two together, you know, as someone that grew up on low fat or, you know. Launch myself into low fat in whatever diet possible. It was the first time that I could stop thinking about calories and macros and just feel. Oh my gosh! I intuitively feel full. I intuitively mm-hmm. intuitively feel hungry. Like that. That's the beauty of it. It's it's not necessarily. The magic science, which you address in your book, like it is pretty cool, but it's also this shift that I needed so desperately to say I did not need to count everything going into my body in order to see results and feel good. Yeah. And then it just completely radically changed my life. So
1: yeah, I mean, I think ketogenic diet and keto in general is just a tool that people can add to their toolkit. And what I want to do with this type of stuff is empower people and have them experiment with what works for them. So try out keto realize like oh okay I can have benefits maybe with my mental performance or maybe I lose a bunch of weight or whatever however it works for you and so that way when they're you know in five years from now there's a new diet trend or whatever they want to try paleo then they now go oh I've tried to change in the past I've learned from it and here's how I can do that again Mm -hmm. that's how I want to empower people moving forward not saying that you must do a ketogenic diet but here's the way to do it most successfully so you can learn how it works for you and then apply those principles again moving forward
0: well, I think it's so interesting because it ultimately is the education piece that you mentioned. When you educate somebody, you add a la- a layer or two layers or three layers of depth that is lacking in marketing and just in general in our culture. There is It's how fast can I sell it and how attractive can I make this to a potential buyer without having any sort of depth to it because it's just as fast and as quick as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the counterintuitive things here, people when they launch companies and have products is that they think that they need to do this type of marketing to have sales and revenue growth, which is just not true. So we've done it the opposite way. We're actually one of the fastest growing product companies ever, which is pretty crazy. But um, we've done it by being relentless about providing value, not trying to trick people. And so like, I think there's a lot of short-term gains when you're trying to trick people in, in a marketing sense just to sell things. But we, we, even when we do marketing campaigns, our goal always, number one, is how is this providing value to somebody? Because we think that, you know, that's just how a business should work. And maybe yep. this is a, a little old school, but I think the point of a business is to pro- provide value to people. Mm-hmm. And then those people have money, which is, called, which is stored value, and then they give us, you know, that money for whatever, and then we condense all the stored value, all this money, and then we can do more things and provide more value with that stored value. So it's just, that's sort of the flywheel we think about is we provide value and solve problems. People give us money for that, which is just what they value. And then we just keep doing that over and over and over again in, in more creative ways.
0: And you do it well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, and
1: it's not like we're, we're trying to siphon that out and just make a ton of profit to, to suck the, the money out of people. No, so we provide value, we get stored value, we provide more value, and we just keep doing that over and over and over again.
0: Well, it's just the example. I mean, I I rarely I'm only recently really liked Gary Vee stuff. I'm sure you know Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. He's so intense, and so sometimes I'm like, oh my god, Gary Vee, you need to like wear some blue light blocking glasses and just go take some adaptogens because you just want him to chill out. But he did say something yesterday that I saw that I really liked, and it was this difference of width versus depth, which I am such a believer in. Mm -hmm. And it's what I wrote about a lot in my book about like demanding depth from your consumer, because that is the empowerment that they feel. If they don't ask the questions, then we're just pushing product, right? right? So that was the cool thing he said is like, there really is no way to get through this width of marketing, of advertisement, of Facebook ads, of competing with certain products, whether they're a brand new business or the first of its kind, the only way to really fight it is going and giving depth, giving depth in some capacity. And for you, and I said this in our first podcast, which is really kind of more of the keto sciencey stuff that we talked about how long ago was that? A couple years ago. Yeah, I feel I think like. when you first launched. Yeah, so maybe the audio's improved a little bit, <laughs> hopefully. But we, you, and I met because I was looking for a beef protein isolate because I couldn't do whey protein. I had no luck with vegan proteins. I was still sore and it wasn't digesting well, and it was like very frustrating to, you know, as someone that's such a meathead, like I needed my protein shake, mm-hmm. and I found your protein, and you even with your like handwritten letter, of how. It, it was going to like hey just so you know i'm going to refund this for you i hope you love it i was like what this is incredible so it was just like things like that that i think represent why your company's successful and it's you know you can downplay it but you definitely have your good intentions as like a good human on this earth doing yeah. good things is definitely karmic
1: yeah i mean i think it's just it's not anything special it's just that i'm very clear about my priorities in life and i just i just want to help people be healthier and so
0: have you been like that forever
1: about being clear about priorities.
0: Did that take work to get to?
1: Yeah, but I think that I just – I went so fast through my education when I was younger and sort of, like, had, had to grow up on my own. And that, I think, just forced me to to um, sort of get after it and, and be responsible for myself at a really young age. And so I think that just the intensity like, – like, I did – summer straight through from undergrad all the way through grad school took doctorate and master's at the same time like I think that experience while I wouldn't want to go through it again forces you to develop certain habits mm. um, and really get clear about how you spend your time and why you're doing it and so I mean I think I've been doing that regularly now for for years but yeah I mean I think that a lot of people just don't take the time to figure out okay what is my purpose in life and like how do I see that being done in the next three four or five years and like what are my goals to do that moving forward? And that can change all the time. But a lot of times people's, people's purposes don't really change that often. And it's so like I had a lot of health issues when I was younger. I figured out how to how to do it and how to get healthy over a very long period of time. And now my goal is just to help shorten that mm. sort of feedback loop for people and help give them the tools so they, they can figure out what work, works best for them. And that may change, you know, maybe I have a product company now. Maybe I write more books later. Maybe I, you know, build a regenerative agriculture, different like farm thing that I've had an idea, like (laughs) health insurance company. I don't know Mm -hmm. how that's going to look in five, 10, 15 years from now, but that is very, very clear to me. And so when I have like that gets distilled down to our day-to-day actions as a business, you know, like this is what I want to do with my time on earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very, very high level. And then I bring that down to, okay, here's how we're going to run a marketing campaign. Like is it providing value? Is it helping people be healthier? I think that when you have sort of that high level, that macro and the micro thinking and tie those two things together. Um, You know, it's just, it's very easy to provide value and not have to think about it over and over and over and day in and day out. Like, yeah, you don't have to make compromises ever.
0: It's just who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love that you're willing to pivot because your intention, your purpose might be the same, but your intention is it's okay to change it. Like, you know, and that's what so many people get stuck in. I was just talking about that Um, in an interview. Like, you know, what do you think about fitness influencers? And I'm like, you're all going to be miserable in a year because you might want to do something other than fitness. Mm-hmm. And you aren't giving yourself the ability to just be who you are. You're, y- who you are is not your brand. Who you are is not your business. It's just an extension of you. And so if you can allow yourself to kind of have that divide, your pivots make your business do better in, in some way because you're not attached to it. And, like, I think that you do a good job with that.
1: Right. I mean, like, looking back to who of was five years ago, like the person who I wanted to be five years ago versus who I am now is very different. And if I had that sort of pegged in my head five years ago, like those are two very different people. Mm-hmm. And even like, I hope now that I'm looking forward to say, okay, maybe in five years I'm doing this, but maybe I'm doing something radically different. And I want to leave some space to always be able to reflect on who I am as a person today, not who I was five years ago and who I wanted to be five years ago. Um, so I'm like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of directionally setting goals and targets of who you want to be, but being very loose and flexible and with being able to pivot, you know, on monthly, quarterly, yearly basis.
0: And this is what's, you know, we we were briefly touching on it is I struggle with this, too, because I so anybody that's driven and kind of type A personality or whatever it is where we just like see a goal and we want to crush it. That's just who we are. it's hard when you so quickly get sucked into that world. Mm -hmm. Like I've noticed, you know, this whole year of 2019 was like, Oh my God, I had my head down so much in 2018 that I am looking up and like, do I really want to do this? And it's good that you have that self-realization. That's all it is, is this constant work in self so that you can be aware of, I am just, what is my intention? Am I just doing it? Because I want xyz or am i doing it because it really fills me up and that's something that i see people struggle with because i struggle with it all the time
1: yeah i mean i think that the biggest thing is having routine check-in points to make sure that you're still on track to where you wanted to go or if where you wanted to go is still where you want to go and so for instance when we were in vale this last weekend we took martha and i took a couple days off and we sort of went back through like okay last quarter when we set these goals are these still the goals i want to hit yes or no like have things changed and then saying, okay, if if goal X hasn't changed, you know, am I still on track for it? No, why not? Yes, okay, great, keep going. And so having that time, I think, to get some solitude mm-hmm. and actually think through your priorities again and think through your goals and just check in. So, I mean, I've been, this has been a pretty rough year as far as, um, Making sure that I'm doing this on a routine basis, but I think we've talked about it in the first podcast we did, like yep. a pretty crazy tracking spreadsheet, to make sure I do all these habits on a day day basis. Because
0: you had a calendar, like a journal.
1: hmm Yeah. So that that as well. But yeah, I mean, there's just this. I think that the the biggest thing that most people can do to make sure they're going the right direction is periodic check-ins, whether that's weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever works for you. But it's it's just one of these things that most people don't take the time to do, even though it's so correct. so critical. Like there's there's such a momentum of life where, if you get caught up, you know, with with any sort of external thing, it, it can easily take you off track, and push you in a direction that you didn't know. And then you look back a year later and go, oh shit, I'm I'm doing this thing that I don't want to be doing. And then you have to course correct in such a major way, instead mm-hmm. of sort of setting guardrails along the way, and be able to check in and, and go where you want to go.
0: And those guardrails. The reason that they're there is because you're not afraid of, a, you don't avoid. So this is where I think people that are creative entrepreneurs tend to get stuck is that they tend, you know, their brain is like, create, solve problems, mm-hmm. etc. cetera. Uh, guardrails feel like constriction. And so it's something that's like, that's why a lot of creative entrepreneurs don't do well with money or vice versa. It's like kind of that one, two punch that I think you have a good balance of both because um as soon as we get into, and this is something I've worked on so much the last four years, is like as soon as I see money, numbers, things that my brain doesn't naturally do well with, it's kind of like I would rather just solve problems. Mm. And then being like, oh, this is the component I need to fix. It goes into this is all I see and my brain doesn't know how to stay creative. And so people avoid. I see that quite a bit. It's yeah. like, let me avoid it and it doesn't exist. And then all of a sudden they're in this position where they're like, I don't even like what I do because The signs were probably there. They just weren't willing to check in with themselves to see if they were there because they were pushing it away.
1: Totally. And I I don't think people need to force themselves into, for instance, creating really huge companies for any reason. And if a person just likes to create content or do whatever, I think that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Obviously, people have certain living expenses and they want to be compensated for their time in a certain way. But, I mean, ultimately, I don't think everybody needs to be a crazy Gary V type entre- entrepreneur to provide value to people and to be obsessed yeah. with just, you know, maybe that's providing value locally to people in your community for wh- whatever reason.
0: And do you feel like that there's a pressure now that this, that entrepreneurship is totally to, to, be make it as big as possible?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Like just, I think because you can now is, is everyone's expected to do so. Hmm. Yeah. Like it's, if we didn't have the tools Sh- shopify and like the internet and working from a laptop from anywhere and all of these things that i, I have to my disposal now like if, if i was trying to do this business 10 years ago i would have failed miserably mm. yeah you know?
0: that's a good point and so
1: i think that it, you know social media things like that they allow people to create certain brands and cer- certain um, platforms which didn't really exist before and an individual can create a really meaningful company with you know whatever you call success um and I think that, you know, people like, you know, obviously Gary Vee is trying to help a lot of people become
0: self-sustaining, Self
1: sustaining. That's, that's great, but then you also have that contrasted with, you know, crazy startup growth and valuation in, in San Francisco and elsewhere where, you know, it's expected that if you start a company, it should be a billion-dollar company, and if not, then you're sort of wasting your time, which is really crazy. Or
0: people don't take you seriously unless it's something they've heard of, right. and it, I, I get that quite a bit, it, you know, like wait, you do what? And it's like, you know, I used to care so much about that. I used to be like, I can't wait for them to know what this is. And I'm like, why do I need that? You know, because what I'm doing brings me joy every single day. What I'm doing brings other people joy every single day. And so it's just the priority check that you said, like, what is the intention and ego so quickly. I mean, really for me, it was when I got Um, almost, I was like on the way to Shark Tank and it was like, this is everything. I'm going to love this. This is my dream. And then when they cut me right when I was about to get on the flight, it was like all of this is worth nothing. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so demoralized. Like I got broken up with and shattered because all I cared about was it looking a certain way. Like if I made Shark Tank, then it had to be legitimate. And that was my proof to people that I wasn't just you know, whatever I thought in my head that I needed to prove. So that was huge for me of like this ego check of, holy shit, my intention was so wrong. My intention is to get people to move at a hotel or in right. at a beach or at a park. Like it's not to make the, and that's that so quickly happens to anybody who starts business because you just want to be, you want to keep going, right? There is no limit to what you can do. So you just right. keep pushing it.
1: Well, I mean, I think that a lot of people who haven't sort of jumped off the ledge of entrepreneurship, to, like they may be here a conversation like this and think we will have it all figured out. And maybe uh, I'm speaking for myself, but it's, it's a never ending not. roller coaster <laughs> where <laughs> y- you get off track and then you have to get punched in the face and remember why you're doing things. And that just, it happens over and over and over again. And it happens for me all the time. Yeah. And I'm sort of like climbing my way back up from, from that right now. And it's like sort of a never ending, you know, high, high highs and low lows. Yes. And the low lows are like you said, it's when you sort of get away from why you're doing things in the first place. But then you remember, and you go back up, and then something else gets in the way, and the momentum of life takes over, and then you sort of crash down again. At at least this is my experience.
0: Anthony, I have a shirt called Phases of the Entrepreneur, (laughs) and it's a moon phase. So it's four four on each row, and it's literally all the way up to the full moon being like, I'm the shit, and then all the way back down, like, I need a fucking nine to five. I hate this. This is stupid. Why did I do this? You know, because I can relate to it sometimes within the same day. I'm a full moon and then I'm a waning, you know, crescent. It's just like, shit, it never ends. And I think what you, like, I think that would be amazing to talk about is, like, for you, knowing how big your company is now, like, did you expect that? Was that your intention? Uh, No, not at all. And so then the process of growing a team and the process of the pressure, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then then the expectations grow. Yep. And then, then maybe you don't hit certain things or... You know, maybe we want to do a certain product, but we can't launch it, or a certain distribution is just taking longer than, than expected. And then you go, oh, that's right. I mean, we're, we're, like you said, the expectation of what this company was going to be when we started it versus now is just, like, wildly different. And then the people that we're impacting is just, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the biggest thing, I think you do a really good job of this, is, like, if there are any challenges, a lot of people, what they do is they get discouraged and just mm-hmm. go in another direction and have somebody else decide what's important for them. Um, and I think that just learning from those you know, I don't know, empty moon phases or bottom of the roller coaster (laughs) and be able to to look at that and say, okay, what went wrong here? Where are we at? And learn from it and move forward. Hmm. Recalibrate and say, okay, what is the purpose? And just do that over and over and over again. I think that then you flip and make sure that the bottom ends of those roller coasters are always ends up taking you higher the next time. Hmm. I think that that cycle is really, really important. And just realizing that whenever you're in one of these down moments, that there's always something to be learned. Uh, The most critical thing.
0: I have a little blurb, and I'm going to paraphrase, but in the book, it's like, the days you lose yourself make you appreciate yourself so much more, and it's like, yes, the days, like, the every time you come out of it, every time you come out of the darkness, you're like, oh, my God, thank God, I appreciate this so much more, because that connection, like, you feel like you conquered something, mm-hmm. and there was nothing physical. It was all internal, this mind battle that we play over and over, making ourselves go crazy, like, and then we get out of it, and we're like, okay, this is a good day. I'm going to appreciate this day a little bit more because I didn't appreciate it as much last time I had it because I didn't have that like down phase that made it really shitty and now all of a sudden it's like the best day of your life. Right. (laughs) And
1: and, like one of the things too that I think about a lot recently is that there's no playbook to this stuff. Yeah. This is not like we can look back and look at physical health and say okay we have millions of years of history of dealing with you know this is what you should eat, this is how you should function, etc. This sort of change of mental health currently and people dealing with this sort of stress and change of expectations like this, this just wasn't possible to have somebody have such high highs and low lows and crazy like reality expectation gaps where they expect one thing and have such mm. crazy different reality. Yep. It's like for 99.9% of human history, like every day was pretty much the same.
0: Yeah, that's right? a great point.
1: And like, this is just such an artificial thing for humans. Like I don't think we really have a playbook of getting through it. And so I think that a lot of us are just sort of figuring it out on the fly. Mm. And hopefully getting through it in a good way. But, yeah, yeah I mean, this, this amount of stress, this amount of expectation, this amount of, like, pressure at times is just, I think, really, really artificial. It's, like, not a normal human thing. And so I think it's, yeah. that, that's one of the reasons why I think we have such a problem with mental health. I mean, this is probably another different conversation. but
0: Yeah, we, we stop moving. So, like, yeah. why zebras don't get ulcers? Because they get to run away. You know, we we don't run away from anything. We right. just sit in our shit and then get all in our head, release zero dopamine. So it makes, and then we put more pressure pressure on ourselves for all the reasons that we ex- are expecting to succeed, but the expectations aren't other people; they're usually our own.
1: Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's tough to like live in this world, and society, and still have like normal normal human mental health. Whereas, like I said, like you can, you can go and have you know a grass fed steak and eat some vegetables and nourish yourself. You can move appropriately. You can sleep the same. Like, yeah, you you sometimes have to do some things to get around that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to participate and provide people value on a massive scale, like that's just an artificial thing. Like mm-hmm. humans weren't able to provide value outside of their little tribe for a very, very, very long period of time. Now we have the internet and we can do it in a massive scale for millions and millions of people. So I think that just really creates a strange dynamic of, you know, a lot of times I feel like if we don't hit certain targets or do certain things, like I'm literally letting millions of people down, hmm. which is just a really weird thing that hasn't ever been able to be done that's in all of human point. history
0: never thought about it that makes so much sense yeah and so
1: it's, it's not like it's just i'm letting my few tribe members down it's like literally i'm letting millions of people down which mm-hmm. is crazy
0: or if you put your heart and soul into something and it doesn't perform well mm-hmm. kind of like the products that you thought would be good but maybe they weren't that it, it's very hard to not take that personally or yeah, to be definitely. like damn i really sucked at that you know like how can you not because it was your idea and your creation
1: yeah i, I mean i usually just laugh <laughs> <laughs> just move <laughs> forward
0: i had this thing so I have. how many ideas do you have a day Many. Yeah, I love it. Are you an Enneagram 7? Martha? It has yeah. to be a seven. 7 wing 8. Do you know or what something? you are? Yes. Well, you're an 8. 7, S- seven wing, wing eight, 8, I think. That's what I am. So, 7 is the enthusiast. So, we tend to have like a million ideas. And the 8 is like, don't fuck with me.
1: Maybe I'm an 8. <laughs>
0: I, maybe I'm an eight wing seven. That's awesome. Yeah. I did a podcast with somebody, an Enneagram specialist, two years ago. I maybe a little less took the quiz. 100 percent a seven. I retook it last week, and I converted. I'm one more of an eight than a seven. And I'm like, what just happened? And I think I just started stopped giving as many shits. Like I stopped being the bad kind of empath, where you like want to take care of everybody. And yeah, you you just have to learn. Like there's. Maybe it was just as simple as boundaries, but I thought that was funny that I'm now an eight. Well, Well,
1: congrats for your metamorphosis.
0: Yes. A little (laughs) bit of, I don't know. I don't know if it's good, I don't know if it's bad, whatever. (laughs) It's it's okay. It's progress. It's (laughs) growth in some way. Um, So when you have this many ideas for somebody that's listening, like the process of problem solving, how do you personally know, and this is something, you know, I think it's different for everyone. It sits and feels different. It's intuition. It's gut instinct. How do you know when it's worth pursuing?
1: Oh, man. Like, if you had nothing going on. Because, like, I have...
0: That's a great point. I have an
1: ideas bank of, like, things that are not whatever businesses I have going on right now outside of that. But for me to start something new right now, I think is like, it takes a lot of energy to get something going. Mm-hmm. And right now, like, I think that there's a lot of power to accumulation. Yep. And so like, when we have a team that's been working together, you know, we have, like, 40 employees and everybody's, like, tight-knit. We, I just have more potential for impact with that company now. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, if I were to start a new company today, it would take another three, five, eight years to get to or, sort of the same point where we're at right now. And so that's sort of like, you know, it's there's, there's never-ending. Yeah. yeah. So
0: if you were brand new and you had these ideas and you just are writing all these ideas down, do you have, and I don't know how you could answer this because this probably hasn't happened yet, but like, oh, yeah. I how mean, would to- you pick? Totally.
1: I think solving your own problem first is mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. I mean, that's what I did myself with a lot of the products that we've launched and pure wide equip in, in the first place was I was spending a lot of money on supplements. There was nothing that I wanted. <laughs> I stopped taking a lot, but I still wanted the benefits of it. Yep. And so, I mean, a lot of it was sort of selfish to be honest.
0: For sure. But that's effective. If you would go there every day, if you would take it every day, mm-hmm. if you would use it, that is the answer to the question, right? Yeah. It's like, and it might change, but, and it could maybe be better for some cases, but I think that's a great answer.
1: Yeah. And I think that, Martha sitting here I mean we don't have the third mic but I know sorry Martha she she, I mean she and I really want an amazing relationship we've been through really bad relationships so that's one of the things she's working on now is helping other people figure out relationships I love that and so I mean I I always think that solving your own problems first if you're not used to this sort of thing like I mean you get more creative there's a lot of ideas now I have like I'm more opportunistic and I say okay I can see how I can solve this other problem Mm. but in general I think that just scratching your own itch is, is sort of the most effective way to get started. At least, you know, this is, again, this is a, a thing that is not normal for humans to do, and I think it's a skill that you develop over a long period of time. Things. If you wanted to get started, it's just you know, solving your own problems.
0: And it's great because if it is your own problem, you're going to not stop thinking about it totally. because it's going to keep showing up like, oh, that would be nice. Oh, that would be nice for anything. And that's a great thing. If yeah. you're thinking it, start to ask other people in your life, are the, you thinking it too?
1: This is exactly what you've done with your 18,000 brands you have.
0: I think we're pretty much toe-to-toe with brands.
1: I've streamlined <laughs> quite a bit the last few years. I've, I've you condensed everything. I've been everything. very impressed, yeah. impressed.
0: And I would like to say that this is a, you know, kind of before we get into some of the nutritional sides to finish up, I would love to kind of say like nutritionally taking care of the brain for right. entrepreneurs because that's just so important for people that are doing what they're doing. But I would love to know because that was so impressive for me. We kinda I was always watching you with two companies, Equip and Perfect Keto, and maybe a couple others. Uh-huh. Knowing when to push the gas on one versus the other, or vice versa, or, you know, kind of this ball juggling. Right. Yeah, That's so ultimately what it is.
1: I, I think it's when it was really easy to know, when it was just easier to solve problems in the keto drink space. There was just less competition there, there was less people and we were sort of first out of the bat. So the growth we had was just insane. Yeah. And so it's just easy to to sort of focus all my attention there. But yeah, I mean, once that happens, I sort of like was a relentless, it was like two years ago, I think, that that was a year for me of just extreme focus. And so it was just on Perfect Keto and building the Perfect Keto team and and the product portfolio and the content and everything. Because I saw sort of a window of like, okay, if this thing is growing the way I think it's going to grow. And we have the standards that we have. If we're not the first to market here with content, with products, et cetera, there's going to be a lot of these copycat people that come in that just are trying to grab attention and sell people on stuff. And so it's sort of an urgency at that point, Mm. Um, which I don't always recommend, to be honest. Like I think that right now I don't have much of a a diversification in my identity. And so when things are bad with Perfect Keto and with work, which inevitably happens with this roller coaster, I mean, there's not many other things in my life right now where I'm working on. And so, you know, maybe there's, you know, our relationship, which is like sometimes can wax and wane as well, as far as, you know, it's great. And then it's, you know, we're working through some stuff, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have like, I'm, I'm doing gymnastics training and like, so there's like maybe three things right now where like yes. I, I'm sort of working on in my life. Whereas when before, when I had like several different things going on, I'd be like, okay, if, if it's something as bad is going on over here, at least I have these other things that are cranking right now. Mm. But right now I'm sort of like all chips in the, on the table are pushed into perfect keto. So, like, if they have a bad day, it's, like, it's going to destroy me mentally. Wow. Like, that, like, I don't always wish on other people. But it's, like, that's sort of the bet I made to have the most amount of impact that we've been able to have. And so, like, that worked to have greater impact. But now I think that, like, my, my identity is just not diversified that well.
0: I think you went from a 7 to an 8.
1: Yeah. Because
0: 7s, this is, and this is what I'm kind of learning, but I just wrote a – blog about this about don't be afraid to go all in because when you go all into one the likelihood of failure is exponential Mm -hmm. because there's only one option it's like having multiple islands to choose from and being like oh that one doesn't work out i can jump on over here and it's fine there's only one the risk reward is it's just a lot different. Yeah, and it so is. it makes sense where sevens, that's our defense mechanism. is like, give me as many things to do as possible in order for me to not have to sit and feel. And that mm. w- is what you're forcing yourself to do when you go all in, is sitting in the good, but also sitting in the bad. And that's the growth that tremendously amplifies anything because it's saying I choose to look at the dark days and not run away from them. So that's what I'm learning as I'm yeah. turning to this eight. Like, oh, maybe I was just bouncing from one idea to the next. And they're all great ideas. and I'm so glad I created them. But focusing in and going all in on them, even as a whole, putting them all in one bi- giant category and being like, actually – no more ideas are allowed until these get to the place I know they can. Even that's terrifying. So I totally get those, the bad days mentally hit you hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be a, a sort of a creative entrepreneur, it's really hard to say no to things. I mean, like, even within our company, yeah. it's like, it's hard to not do a thousand things. Yes. And it's hard to not launch every single product that I think should exist at every single moment. You know? Yeah,
0: you see, a, you see a problem. And mm. you're like, okay, that I could fix that. I could do something with that. So yeah, I totally I get mean, that.
1: There's some Steve Jobs quote that I'm just going to absolutely butcher, but it's like, Success or focus is just saying no to the thousand great ideas to focus on the one amazing idea or something like that. Uh,
0: And I guess I kind of have an issue with that because I'm like, I I have five amazing ideas.
1: (laughs) I'm sure one is the best.
0: Uh, I don't know, Anthony. I just disagree. But maybe. And that's what I like the one priority, all these books. And that's why I stopped business coaching because they kept saying focus on one. And I'm like, shit, screw it. Fuck you. <laughs> but maybe be I'll inspired. maybe yeah maybe eventually I will. But I don't think I will actually. I just don't because I I think it it's just I want people to follow what calls them in the time and space that it calls them right. right? If it if you want to do it, you should do it. Don't let the limitations that you built because that was what happened. Like I have fitness training workout. If I let the limitations of that prevent me from going into herbal tea and herbal medicine, mm-hmm. that's gonna eventually. Bum me out. I'm gonna be sad about that in a couple years.
1: Right, and I think that just recognizing that and thinking of, okay, where am I at? Am I still really fired up about this problem? Yes or no? Yeah. And I I don't know how much longer I have in the keto space. I have no idea. But when when it starts becoming less motivating for me than other problems, then I'll just shift my focus. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot more work to to get out of where I'm at right now. But man, I see like Elon Musk and this motherfucker is like. <laughs> Doing cars and doing space Neuralink shuttles. and space Movement. shuttles and <laughs> underground, underground tunnels <laughs> and open AI. And it's like he made a school for his kids. like
0: Yes. Why like th- not? Yeah. I mean, why not? And I think the more people that just do it, you know, we definitely have to take our time and, like, figure out how to make it good and make it sustainable and make it what you know it can be. But then when it's time, you'll know and you'll pivot because your attention, you will not get filled up by talking about the things that you were talking about the same way. You know, yeah. it just starts, and that's good. That's what, it's evolution. And that's what's supposed to happen.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, think that just recognizing that life always has some trade-offs to it. And so mm. if you, maybe if I were to hire out a, a different CEO of Perfect Keto to run the company, like maybe I don't, like that company no longer has the same impact that I thought it should, but that's fine because then I can, you know, fill my bucket elsewhere. For sure. Not saying that's imminent or anything like that, but just if that were to, to happen, it's just like, okay, if if I want to do five things, then I can't do one really big thing.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. It's, and that's the growth that I've chosen. I've right. chosen really slow because it's self-sustaining. Unless, right? you're,
1: unless you're Elon.
0: Unless I'm Elon. And yeah. at the, and I, I plan on getting to that point. It just might take me 10 years, not yeah. two. <laughs> and uh, FYI, you're, you guys are going to launch my platform strength in Austin. Yep. Um, yeah. You're, I'm just can't wait.
1: Potentially <laughs> a, a gym and a restaurant at some point. Yes. Know those, yeah,
0: finger crossed. Details soon. Okay, so to finish this up, taking care of the entrepreneur, the creative. I mean, this is ultimately all humans. But if they're listening, inspired business owners want to be entrepreneurs. Current entrepreneurs, this is where diet comes into play right. in so many ways, and this changed my life radically eight concussions, head hit, I had to, like, that's why I'm so sensitive to any issue or any lack of um, nutrition, because my brain and body feel it very quickly, so I would love to hear just kind of a few of your favorite things, um, especially products, you talk about different types of MCT in the Mm -hmm. book, Uh, you know, just what you, what's non-negotiable for your brain?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm starting to become way more of a macro generalist when it comes to health at this point, and, like, I, I'm sort of shying away from, like, oh, take this supplement at this time per day. It's, like, if you don't have the big stuff sort of taken care of, there's no point at trying to fix it with little Band-Aid. hacks, you know? And so I would say, first of all, eat real food, as you know, as local as you can get it, as seasonal as you can get it. Like, just start there. And if you're really far away from that, like, focus on that. For sure. Okay? If you can do that most days, then okay. Then I think that, like, also just moving way more than you're being sedentary. Huge. Um, I think sleeping, like people just don't sleep well. People don't shut off at night. They don't, like you said, you want Gary V to get some blue blockers and just chill the hell out. Like same thing here. It's like, if you just sleep appropriately, like you're, you're going to have a much better day than if you don't.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then after, like, then you can start getting into the weeds. Like like master these things first, then start diving in and figuring out your own path with, with health. Cause everyone's going to be different. Yeah. Um, I, like I do a ketogenic diet mainly because of the, the performance and mental benefits that I get. Um, and there's reason for that. I think we, this is detailed in the book, but when you eat carbohydrates, like your, your brain can run on glucose, or it can run on ketones. Ketones are just a breakdown of fat, and there's a very different mechanism that goes on here. So your brain can, like, it has to. It's sort of a complicated process to get enough glucose into the brain. And like when you have concussions, things like that, then you have a lot less oxygen, and you can have actually b- backup of, of certain things. When you have ketones in your bloodstream, they actually get pushed into your brain. So it's not like your brain soaks them up; they get pushed in your brain, whether your brain likes it or not. But that's preferable because your your body doesn't need oxygen, and so you can use way more energy at a time if you have ketones and glucose in the brain at the same time, which is preferable. Mm. Um, and so you can get that by taking exogenous ketones. You can take MCT. You know, you can take C eight, which is a little bit more. Glucose um, goes to your brain a little bit more. Um, you can even eat coconut oil. There's some stuff in there. Fasting will raise ketones and, and do that. And so these are all things like if you want your brain to just work better. Again, you don't need to like think about all these crazy different nutrients. There's stuff that I take that I've sort of figured out has worked for me. i lot of choline, for example. I'm deficient in choline. I just have a polymorphism that I produce less choline. So Same. I take more. Um, that's one of the things that's worked for me. But ultimately, p- people should be thinking about their their energy source of their brain. Like, what is your brain running on? Yeah. And, like, I want to give my brain as much possible energy as, as, it, as it can. And so that's why I'm on a ketogenic diet. I feel best.
0: And I feel like it's crazy because people don't associate forgetting names, forgetting tasks, forgetting little things that they should do with how your brain is functioning. It's kind of this overall like, mm-hmm. oh, I just have a bad memory or oh, I'm getting old. Just
1: normal. Yeah. It's
0: not normal. I mean, I just I think that's shocking is like when people start eating good fats to their brain and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sharp. I'm like, yeah, yeah you're going to be more creative, too. That's a win win. Totally. Why don't you do it? <laughs> no, but the, did you have issues with choline and like did gallbladder? Did you ever have gallbladder issues? Uh-huh. I was curious if that was connected because I had choline brain stuff and then also uh, choline that affected kind of my gallbladder function. I had like a really bad gallbladder for a couple years converting to high fat. Hmm. It took a long time for it to kind of get regulated. Uh, also, kind of to what you said, again, handle the basics, eat real food, and then realize that ultimately it's adherence you can use food to help with cravings because cravings are what tends to derail people because you have decision fatigue so if you're saying no to chocolate all the time and you're not quite able to switch off the cravings there's ways that you can help mitigate that and i think that's what's so cool about real food and then some supplements as appropriate to help with adherence because we're sleeping better therefore our cravings are less therefore X, Y, Z. It's just like is this a beautiful cycle.
1: Right. I mean, this is sort of like what I was talking about before with how like artificial your environment is. So if you, the human should just be eating real food, moving a lot, sleeping a lot, etc. and not be stressed out. And the further you get away from that and the more artificial your environment's pushed, sometimes you need an artificial environment to get you back on track. Yes. And so that's why I think that a lot of people don't realize like supplements and things like that can be really, really good, especially if they're of high quality, to get you back to a, a point where you have less cravings, right? If you have Something with like a lot of M C T and beef protein or whatever and a shake and normally like you're like you, you don't crave real foods but you're eating a bunch of trash, like that can help get you back over and start regulating some of these things.
0: That's a great point. And someone asked me this, so I'll just finish with this about your thoughts on nootropics, because this is like the biggest market right now. So your thoughts of how to figure out which ones work and which I mean same thing, baseline first.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that there's there's two you ways have to think some about great. No, yeah. There's two things I think about nootropics is like does it modify Like a neurotransmitter or receptor, or is it like substrate, like adding a substrate? So when we talk about like adding choline, for example, we're just adding more to whatever's there. But if you think about like even caffeine, to some degree, like modifies the receptor and blocks adenosine from attaching into your brain. That's something that normally, when it attaches in your brain, it's sort of like it more adenosine you have, the more sleepy you feel. Caffeine comes in and blocks that hole and doesn't allow the adenosine to go in there. So I'm less of a fan of receptor modulators and more of a fan of like substrate increasing um and so that's why we have an entropic product that has a lot of these things in there that doesn't modify your receptors but instead it provides more raw material that your body can use
0: that's a great point great answer it's cofactors not uh yeah what you said um when people take something like ox bile or hormone or anything that is something our body naturally produces we tend to get into the weeds pretty quickly
1: yeah i mean i think like there's a lot of promise to things. Like, I used modafinil a while back, and like, yes, you get some stuff out of there, but then I started getting headaches, and it's just like, this is just not a normal thing for your human brain. It's so it's like, to I've, I've toyed around with it. Yeah, they can be effective, but it's just, not, I don't think, worth it. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've experimented. I think another really great nootropic are psychedelics um, in large amounts, but um, <laughs> and in small amounts. That's but come
0: up in literally yeah. every podcast I had. Um, yeah. Play, I mean, have you done a lot of plant medicine?
1: I've I've experienced some benefits. Um, I know a lot of people have as well. But yeah, I mean, it's something that I think is totally normal, mm-hmm. for like a, a plant, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's not, you know, we don't really know exactly what receptors they play on. But I mean, anybody who's done this type of stuff like that, you get much more benefit out of that, I think, than taking Adderall and Modafinil or of, of things like that. So
0: small doses right. and figuring out ways to integrate it. And
1: or, or large doses. And or figuring large out doses. Ways and to figure integrate out. it, yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> that works too <laughs> but i've noticed and this is just based on lots of conversations anything that's unnatural right something that's a little bit like plant medicine ayahuasca mushrooms psilocybin versus something that might be man-made
1: uh-huh.
0: or tweaked integration of large doses is really tough unless there's somebody there that knows what they're doing of plant
1: stuff or artificial stuff, artificial
0: stuff. Sure. plant stuff it it naturally works out and I think that that, that's so cool because it's plants it's just like my herbal teas or any herbal tincture it's like it will figure out what to do adaptogenics a great example do we need to lower do we need to raise do we need to help you know kind of push the brakes or push the gas plants figure that out in ways that we can't and so that's what I that's my big theory about plant medicine is like when it is tweaked slightly by by man or woman it is really hard to integrate because it can't quite figure out what to do. But if, if it's something that's...
1: So, I mean, I think that I've I've seen pretty remarkable things with MDMA, and that's obviously very, very man-made. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one of the things, like, I don't know, I've seen this. Martha and I watched this movie a couple of weeks ago, called A Trip of Compassion, ah. which is about basically it followed three people who had very crazy trauma um, that was, you know, stored in their body or whatever, and depression, all this stuff, and, like, within two therapy sessions, with very little therapy, with just basically they took the MDMA. They just re-experienced everything on their own. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of promise there moving forward. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see when this stuff gets passed.
0: Uh, I want to have the first psilocybin tea. Nice. Fingers crossed. Well, you, you state, gotta start. your state here is on track. <laughs> I know. I got. I, if we follow the path of uh, marijuana like decriminalization to yeah, a legalization, couple years, six.
1: Six more from now?
0: I would say I would average it to four.
1: Start formulating now. I
0: know (laughs) you already know. Uh, This is so great. Thank you so much for sitting on this beautiful rooftop, even though it's nice and hot. Thank you, Martha, for joining us too. (laughs) Yeah, we'll Um, get a third mic for you next time. We will. We will. And what I know that I asked you this, but I don't remember. Do you remember your spirit animal? And maybe Martha knows your spirit animal.
1: Probably a shark. Cold. (laughs) Dun dun dun. Cold. (laughs) Deadly.
0: (laughs) I'll look at our last one. I think we have it. We definitely dug into it a little bit. I'll figure it out. Thanks so much, Anthony. Um, Everyone, Keto Answers, available the 16th, simplifying everything you need to know about the world's most confusing diet. Uh, Also with your friend Chris Irvin. This Mm -hmm. is incredible. This book is beautiful, and I can't wait for the world to get it. So this is really fun to talk about, and we'll see each other soon.
1: Thank you.